Welcome to the Italian American Podcast. The first podcast dedicated to helping Italian Americans learn about and celebrate their brilliant heritage. We're your hosts, Anthony Fasano and Dolores Alfieri Taranto. We're first generation and third generation Italian Americans from the same small village outside of New York City. As writers and speakers, we've both spent years exploring Italian American identity. And through this podcast, we continue this exploration with you. In each episode, we talk to dynamic Italian Americans, from athletes to authors to entrepreneurs, to find out how their heritage has influenced their success, their values, and their outlook on life. We do it with a lot of heart, a lot of smarts, and a lot of laughs. laughs. As the saying goes, there are two types of people, those who are Italian and those who wish they were Italian. Whatever camp you're in, grab an espresso and get your hand gestures ready (laughs) for this episode of the Italian American Podcast. This is episode number 92 of the Italian American Podcast, where we're going to speak with Candice Guardino of Italian Bread, who's really funny. But first, Dolores, how are you doing today? Doing well, Anthony. Um, this was a fun show. Uh, we haven't, as I mentioned, had anybody like Candace on. So it was enjoyable. We always like to have um, somebody on who gives us an, a you know, nice half an hour, an hour of laughs. So we yeah, appreciate that. Sure. <laughs> and uh, just to start, let's welcome um, our listeners, of course. We love having you guys. You keep showing up to listen to the show. We want to welcome our new listeners. And just to remind you that since this is episode 92, there are over 90 episodes of the Italian American podcast and the Power Hour for you to enjoy. That's right. And just remember, whether you're a new listener, you've been listening for a while, make sure that you subscribe to the podcast. By subscribing to the podcast, it will ensure that when we publish new episodes, they will pop up on your device there and you can listen as we do it. Um, It's nice because I listen to podcasts too. And sometimes if I don't subscribe, I miss a bunch of episodes and then it's like, oh, I got to try to catch up and I missed all these good episodes. So definitely subscribe to the podcast. You can kind of follow along the journey with us. Absolutely. And um, we also just want to remind everyone that we have a private Facebook group called The New Neighborhood. We've talked about it often on the show. It's become a really big part of what the show is kind of and and vice versa. Um, The podcast is definitely expanded and The New Neighborhood is part of of that expansion. So if you're interested in meeting other passionate Italian-Americans and forming new friendships with people who are also, you know, laughing and nodding their head uh, in understanding as they listen to the show, then the new neighborhood is the place for you. So please visit italianneighborhood.com for more information. Yeah, for sure. And it was, again, just seeing a post this week in the neighborhood of two of our members that met up in a city at a, actually an Italian-American bookstore, and they got together just because they were members in the new neighborhood. And again, that's the whole point of it is to create not just a Facebook group where you could talk to people, but actually where you can make friends, meet people in person and, you know, build your kind of Italian American, I guess, network, you could say kind of around you. And one of the things just to note about it is that if you go to italianneighborhood.com, you will see that there's a registration. We do charge to be a member for multiple reasons. Uh, One of the reasons is because the podcast, of course, requires us to pay money to produce it. And we want to continue to bring it to you and keep that going. So that's helpful for that. And also, quite frankly, by charging, it keeps it really as an intimate, really strong focus group. There's some groups on Facebook that are free and there's just hundreds of thousands of people in them and you really can't have meaningful conversations with people. And so 
that's kind of why we charge for the group. So you can't just go to Facebook and join the new neighborhood group. You have to go to italianneighborhood.com, register, and you'll be redirected and welcomed in to the group. All right. So with that, I'm going to introduce our guest now because we really want to bring in this episode. Uh, she's just, she was really funny and we know that you're all going to really relate to her. Candice Gordino is being called someone who stuns and is redefining solo performances by the Chicago stage, Los Angeles, New York, and New Jersey within this 85 minute theatrical comedy. Candice slips in and out of her family impersonations as she cooks up a full meal of growing up Staten Island. The stories in Italian bread are derived from Candace's real childhood experiences. She recounts her upbringing by impersonating her family's unique personalities, singing iconic music tunes and interacts virtual celebrity cameos that makes this hit show not to be missed. And Dolores, she was funny just in our interview, wasn't she? Um, yeah, she was. She was very lively. I think she's just one of those uh, regular people who has a lot of passion for being Italian-American and a lot of passion for the work that she does, you know, and, and it just shows in her demeanor and her conversation. So it's, it's always nice to kind of have uh, salt of the earth on that you can just relate to and hear about the really amazing things that people are doing. For sure. All right. So before we jump in here with Candice, I do want to just take a moment to let you know about one of our sponsors for today's episode, the law office of Michael DeSapio. Have you dreamed of reconnecting with your ancestral homeland by becoming an Italian citizen? Since a change in Italian law has allowed dual citizenship between Italy and and the United States, thousands of Italian Americans have done just that. Italian citizenship by descent is granted to those individuals who can prove Italian ancestry, even if through several generations. If you or a family member is interested in pursuing their Italian citizenship, contact the law offices of Michael DeSapio for a free consultation to see if you qualify. They are a full-service law firm based in New Jersey that has served clients throughout the United States in assisting with dual citizenship citizenship applications. Mike will work with you and his experienced network of researchers, genealogists, and translators, both in Italy and the U.S., to guide you through the process. Don't miss the opportunity to reclaim your right to be an Italian citizen. Contact Mike at 908-996-6766 or www.desapioesq.com for more information. Again, 908-996-6766. And Mike is a great guy. He was one of the original members of the new neighborhood and he continues to give back to the community in so many ways. All right. So without further ado, here we go. Candice Gordino. Let's do it. Now we are excited to welcome to the Italian American podcast actress, writer, and producer Candice Guardino of Italian Bread. Candice, welcome to the Italian American podcast. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, we're looking forward to um, speaking with you. I don't, I don't know if we've ever had someone who's uh, well known for like a one man show on the show before, have we, Anthony? Um, no, this might be the first time. Yeah, I love that. All right. <laughs> I'm very happy to be the one of first. There you go. <laughs> so, Candice, we, we tend to start each show by asking our guests to just tell us a little bit about their Italian-American upbringing. 
Oh, sure. Um, well, mine was so unique, uh, unique that I decided to write a show about it. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but yes, I do have an Italian-American upbringing. Um, I was born in Brooklyn. I grew up in Staten Island, New York. And my upbringing is probably your typical one in the sense that I came, uh, I come from a big, very loud Italian family. We speak at full volume where people think we're fighting. We're just talking. That's for sure. <laughs> I came from a household where Sunday dinner started at 6 a.m. and my grandmother would come over and she'd be cooking the big pot of sauce. So by the time I was, I would say six or seven, I knew how to recreate the sauce because, you know, oh, they taught us great. how to cook early. <laughs> but I did come from a very, I would say, conventional childhood in the sense that I, both of my parents were, my mom was a stay at home mom. My dad owns an auto body shop and he went to work every day. Uh, the only thing unconventional about my life, I would say would be my, my upbringing would be my grandmother. She was a very progressive, uh, a grandmother, not something that you normally see in an Italian culture. My grandmother didn't wear, you know, the house dresses and the socks. Mine were like heels, uh, a slip, like a sexy slip every day. And, and, smoke cigarettes with big red lips. So she was a very uh, progressive woman. So it, it, it made for, I should say, it makes for a great character in the show, Italian Bread, that I created. Uh, and that show is something that I've been touring. And it's a theatrical comedy where I impersonate all of my lovely and colorful family members. And I basically take you on this journey of what it was like growing up in my household, where I like to say, no secrets were kept. Everyone knew everybody's business. <laughs> yeah. You couldn't hide in your bedroom in uh -uh. my house. Like, nah, 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 no sense thing. I wasn't on the phone for three hours with friends. Nah, nah, nah. My mother and father walked in and out. Like They, they knew exactly what was happening. Uh, but I also grew up in a very tight-knit family. But there were no... I, I, you, you don't get a, a medal for you know showing up in my house. It was there was none of that politeness. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I kind of know it well. So you were saying progressive grandmother with a P, which I thought at first you were saying aggressive grandmother with an A. I, either one, I feel like could have fit. <laughs> I was just but, gonna say, oh, she's both. But, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but what um, are you? Was your grandmother from Italy, or is it your great grandparents? Yeah. So my grandmother came over from Italy, both of my grandmothers, actually, my mom's mom and my dad's mom. But what I love about both of them is they both came from Italy. Uh, and so did, of course, my great grandparents, believe it or not, still lived there at times um, before they passed. Both of my grandmothers were single moms. So to me, that's such a, a huge thing, especially in that time when my parents were kids. You know, my parents are in their late 50s, early 60s now. So when they were kids, having a single mom was not necessarily, I don't want to say popular, but it wasn't really something you saw a lot. Yeah, it wasn't um, very so uh, accepted. Accepted, for mm -hmm. sure. I mean, the grandmother I tell the story about in Italian Bread, that specific character, I, I tell the story through uh, her character because she's very unique in the sense that she was a single mom. She raised my father. She's my paternal grandmother. And she, yes, is uh, was a progressive woman. She was aggressive. She was bawdy. She was loud. <laughs> and she was excommunicated from the Catholic Church because um, she wanted to divorce her husband. So um, I tell this great story in the show where she actually drove to Mexico pregnant and got her divorce. And it was a very, it was a very interesting time. And she broke all the rules. So I, I do have to say that she was very different than what uh, some people describe their Italian grandmothers like. <laughs> sure, that's that's a very interesting family story right there. Yeah, for sure. And to go along a little bit more into that family story, tell us about the 
the whole idea of the show and like the process. I mean, I think, you know, Dolores and I are obviously interested in doing creative shows and things to capture Italian heritage and culture. And you've actually got one that's been successful, obviously touring around with it. So what made you come up with the idea and then kind of put it into action? Yeah. Um, well, being a creative person, like you said, we're always coming up with ideas and, and avenues we want to go down and, you know, having to, um, having gone to school for theater and always being a theater kid, the new performance was going to happen. You just don't know what avenue. And for me, I've always loved the, you know, Whoopi Goldbergs, the Lucille Ball, the Carol Burnett. And believe it or not, I fell in love with John Leguizamo's one man shows when I was a kid. My grandmother took me to see one. Um, I believe it was called Freak was one of the one that I saw as a kid. And then I followed him and he's got these fantastic one man shows where he, goes into character and when he goes into character he doesn't have to change costume or anything and I started to fall in love with that and I thought well I'm going to do something like that one day but you know you say it as a kid when you see it and I thought now I'm an adult and I'm in college and I started writing it because it's something that's easy to write when you write what you know so for me I mean I know my family like oh god I impersonate all of them we all impersonate each other actually on a Sunday (laughs) we're all you know I don't know why but we all do it so my father will say something and then my mother will answer and then he says it back in her voice i'm like geez let's just all doing it to each other (laughs) so i sort of grew up in that environment so i knew the story i wanted to tell would be based off of these people for sure um and i loved impersonating them and not putting on costumes to do it so it started up as a stand-up act that's how it started i literally had 20 minutes of stand-up material and i would you know go around some clubs in new york and being a theater kid who can sing it was different for me because theater people don't necessarily go into stand-up. Um, but I knew I, I, I liked to do both and I wanted to bridge the gap. So what I did was I took my characters that I created from stand-up world and I took my theater background and my music background and created a theatrical show. So I go from character to character and then I sing some songs that take you into the next scene. So I like to call it a theatrical experience or a theatrical comedy because it's not a stand-up and it's not a show play and it's not just music. It's kind of a whole evening um, that I put together because for me, that's a lot of what I do. I do a little bit of it all. So I didn't want to just have to say, I'm just going to do 45 minutes of stand-up because that wasn't me. And that's not my family. I mean, I grew up in a household where music was constantly playing. People were constantly yelling. And if they weren't yelling, they were telling you what they think you should do and then what you didn't do right. (laughs) And I wanted to infuse that on stage. And hopefully when you see the show, you kind of fall into the environment and you forget the worries you have for 85 minutes. Uh, Mm -hmm. You forget the problems you have. You forget all your outside. And that's what theater, what I loved about theater is that what it does. It makes you forget. I always love to go see a Broadway show because for those two hours or hour and a half, I got lost in that world. And that's what I wanted to do. I wanted the people to to sit there and fall in love with the Italian-American environment, the Italian-American household, because we're not all mafia. And, you know, don't get me wrong. I love those movies. And that's not all of us. And that's not how I grew up. and, And I wanted to tell that story. That's great. Yeah, we talk about that often on the show. I mean, it's not even close. We're not all mafia. I mean, it's like a small percentage of Italian Americans, just like a small percentage of Irish Americans are in the mob, etc. But of course, we all know it sticks with us for some reason. Um, it does. Yeah. And your family growing up, were you kind of like the family entertainer? 
You know, it's funny. My sister was the family entertainer. And I tell this story in the show. I grew up as a very shy kid. Um, I like to say I was taking notes for many years and just just (laughs) filing it in the back of my head. (laughs) But my sister was the outgoing one. She's my younger sister. And she, I don't know, she was just so outgoing. And we put on theatrical, you know, productions in our household. But I would be like the towel where I'd hold the towel as the curtain. And then I'd have to pull Mm -hmm. the towel away. And then my sister Kelly would perform for the next 20 minutes. (laughs) So I was like the stage hands. Um, (laughs) that's kind of how I started. I was very shy. And then, I, you know, you grow up a bit. Probably when I was six or seven, my mom said that she threw me into a dance class. And then that was it. I was hooked because I was all of a sudden very comfortable on stage. But in, in person, I was shy. Uh, and it took me a while to kind of get out of that. But I do like to say I was quiet and shy for many reasons. And it's because I was you know, collecting all the data, collecting right. all yeah. the characters. Yeah. You were studying them. Doing research. Yeah. Right. My dad says that now. I mean, I like write a new scene and I put it in the show. He's like, how did you remember that? He's like, oh, right. That's why you were so quiet. <laughs> <laughs> and do they, were they very supportive of your, your path? You know, we talk a lot about how an Italian family is, you know, it's kind of like take the, they want you to take a, more uh, paved route because of course they want you to be taken care of, you know, so, so the arts sometimes are frowned upon. Yeah, absolutely. My parents were the type of people that, you know, they didn't have much growing up. So they wanted to give my sister and I everything, you know, anything possibly, any avenue that we couldn't, that they couldn't do, they wanted us to achieve, which is awesome. Right. But my mom always left because she was like, I just never thought that you'd go down this road. <laughs> I was like, well, you Anything but told this us what I meant. <laughs> <laughs> totally. They do. In the beginning, I think they were like, uh, not upset I took this road. Not at all. I just think they were like, oh God, is this going to be stable for her? Because exactly. that's every parent's worry. You know, sure. is she going to be okay? But you know, it's something funny. My and we, I think we all, especially people who come from Italian-American households, I think, you know, for us, it was like start a business. I was five and it was like start a business, like figure out something, get the lemonade stand going, sell the dance shoes, like do what you got to do. Like, and you just kind of figure that out as a kid. Like I just grew up with a, a dad who just, he had six businesses. It was the car, it was the pizzeria, like whatever, whatever it was, we had a business. So that mentality, you kind of put that into any avenue. For me, it was entertainment. So when I started to write the show and I said, listen, guys, I'm going to be impersonating you. Are you guys okay with this? <laughs> my mom was like, you know, just don't make me look bad. And my dad, <laughs> my dad was like, do you think you're going to make money? Are people going to buy tickets? And I was like, well, I don't know that we have to be, I got to do this. And then as the show progressed, you know, and they see that other people are having a good time in the audience, people that don't know me. And you see like this seven year old grandmother taking her 13 year old to see the show and they're, and they're crying and laughing in the audience. Now, all of a sudden, my father's like, you know what scene could be perfected? I'm like, oh, you're giving me notes now. You know? I do. <laughs> I know sudden, exactly what you're saying. You know what I mean? They're like, oh, it's working. People like it. So now they're starting to give yeah. me their critique. My sister comes and sees the show. And my sister will say, you know, I would say it like this. I'm like, oh, here we go. Right. So I get notes now. You had to prove yourself <laughs> first, basically. I mean, that's, I feel like that's a very Italian-American ethos and I definitely definitely grew up the same way. It's kind of like you have this uh, out of the box idea or even personality or whatever and they're very if they're very suspicious of this. But and you have to prove totally. it to them, right? And when you prove it, then they're like, "Oh yeah, we're oh my daughter, my daughter's the actress." 
She's the performer. because <laughs> it's so true. It's you're a hundred percent right. Because I remember have this like vivid memory of being like 16 years old and telling my mom, I think I want to try to be an actor and a writer. <laughs> mom, I remember her looking at me and being like, well, you can give it a go. Like try it. <laughs> and it wasn't like, it wasn't like you're going to be amazing. It was like, right. well, you can try it. And if you're yeah. successful, then it's like, Okay, we, we love you. Yeah. Right, exactly, exactly. So, so Can, Candace, let me ask you about the first time you did this show. Was your family there? How'd it go? Tell us about that. Yeah, I mean, the very, very first time I sort of did the, the full incarnation of Italian Bread, which was a full 85 minutes, no intermission, I don't leave stage, I have a live band, I mean, like the whole thing. The first time I did it, I mean, I wanted to vomit. That's just every actor and performer. I don't care who you are. If you're not nervous about going out there for 85 minutes, the very first time, I don't know. I was nervous because it's a different avenue, right? But my parents were very funny. My dad was like a child. He like was sitting on the edge of his seat. And I knew exactly where he was sitting because he showed me in the theater before I came out there. He's like, this is where I'm sitting. I'm like, oh, okay, dad, thanks. And my mom was like, underneath the seat like slumped in her chair and you know I do these things when I first come out in the audience where I talk to the audience for a little bit and we you know just talk about like life and what's going on and I'm so glad to be in whatever city I'm in and we have like a one-on-one conversation I have with the audience and sometimes I point out my parents but I've learned not to always point out my parents because I have to check and see what they look like because that's one time I did it and my mother was underneath the seat and my dad was like sitting up like like a like like a seven-year-old like bright-eyed and bushy-tailed and my mother was hiding so people were like oh is your mom embarrassed I'm like no she's embarrassed for herself not me like she's just a worried my mother's just a worried human and that's something that maybe all mothers are um, but mine in particular is just a worried human so I could be uh, be amazing up there and my mother's underneath the seat hiding like just like oh god please let it be over please let it be all good right. like she's just right. nervous right I mean this is a woman before I go out on stage every time she'll either call me or if she's there she comes backstage and she's like how are you doing and so I'm like oh I'm a little tired today she's like you don't have to go out there I'll <laughs> tell everybody you don't feel well I'm like mom I have 500 people buying tickets I have to go out there she's like nope I'll tell, I'll take care of it. Like she doesn't ever want to ruffle feathers. And it's a character that I love to play because it, it makes me giggle her thought, her train of thought. So she's usually hiding, just praying it's almost over and then sure. everything goes well. She's nervous for you. <laughs> That's sweet. Totally. Yeah, totally. But my dad's not. My dad's on the edge of his seat taking notes. So there's that. <laughs> hmm, that's so, did, I mean, go ahead, Eddie. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I know right now you're really, you know, torn with the show, going to a lot of states over the next few months, which I think in itself is, you know, I'm sure fun, but also, you know, it's tough. You know, you do a lot of traveling, you're on stage, you're the show basically. So you have to show up, obviously. How has that been for you doing the touring and, you know, getting up by yourself and doing these shows? How's How's that whole experience been for you? Uh, for me, it's been amazing. I mean, being a, like I said, a theater kid, you like wait for the moments when you get to get back out on stage again. Like that's just something that's just in any performer or any stand-up comedian, any singer, you like, you literally seem for it. It's like, you want, it's like a drug really. And you can't wait to get back out on stage. So for me, it's always like, oh, I can't wait to get to this next city. The in-between, yeah, it's tiring from city to city. 
But, you know, I got lucky. I somehow trapped a man to marry me and he's been very good (laughs) and he's been lovely Um, and he's so supportive and he comes with me and we kind of have made this, uh, we're a little bit of gypsies and we've made this our life where we're touring and um, we're having a good time. And yeah, of course it's tiring, but like my uh, something my dad once said to me is he was like, any business you own, any job you do, even if you love it, you're going to be tired. And sure. I, he's right. And that's yep. something I always remind myself. Like, And I don't know many people that get to do what I'm doing. So for me, I'm like, thank God I get to do this because I got to tell you, I don't know what else I'd be doing. <laughs> and that's something that I'm like, thank God. I'm like, thank God someone gave me the chance to do this because I don't know what else I'd be doing. So I feel very grateful um, that I get to do it. And it's just it's so fun meeting all these different people from all these different cities. And what's even cooler, and it's something I didn't know, I didn't know if every city people would connect with my story. You know, I'm an Italian-American gal. I have a specific way about me. I'm not, I would say, gentle anymore. It's over. (laughs) I have now bridged into being my family, which is now this loud human. And (laughs) with all this roughness on the very, very bottom, there's a big heart, but you got to get there. You know, it's like an onion. You got to really peel back those layers. And when you perform something like that and a story like that, you don't know if it's going to resonate. And the surprising part of it all, especially touring, is that it resonates with so many different people that are not Italian. And that's what I loved is like, I couldn't believe the amount of people that would come up to me after a show. And they were like, I'm not Italian, but your mother's my mother. Or, Mm -hmm. oh my God, your grandmother's my grandmother. And I thought, geez, finally, it's becoming something that I hoped, but I wasn't sure. You don't know until you do it. And it's working. So the reception, that's something I wanted to ask you about. You know, what is the reception, if you want to go into that a little bit more in general uh, from audiences? Yeah, the I would say the biggest take back I get from the show, like people ask me all the time, what's the biggest reward? Oh, it's, you're, you're making a little money and you're not a struggling actor. And I think, well, yes, of course, everyone wants to make a little money. But at the same time, it's not even that anymore. And it never was for me. I mean, there was 10 years of no money, people. Like I laugh. I'm like, no one gets into this for that. You get into it because you love to share that story or you love to share your work and to see all different kinds of people and from all generations, decades of, I mean, we're talking the 13 year old girl to the 75 year old man, 80 year old man coming up to me afterwards, all connecting with one of the characters, if not two of them or three of them. I mean, I play about five different characters. They're connecting with either a character or storyline because each story is about two to three minutes and it goes into throughout segments of 85 minutes. So someone connects with something somewhere. And I'm, I'm very blessed to say it's not just Italian-Americans. I mean, I'm so proud to be Italian-American. And I'm, those people, I joke in the audience when I first get out there. I'm like, if you're Italian and you don't like this show, I don't even want to talk to you. Like, <laughs> come on now. You don't connect with me. We have an issue. But, <laughs> no, but that being said, they love it. <laughs> it's true. I mean, Dolores and I have experienced a little bit of bit of this in that we did some episodes like we did this Christmas episode where we all went to Dolores's house and kind of baked Christmas cookies and made some Christmas meals and we and we got a lot of people that contact us and say man you took me back to when I was a kid in the kitchen around Christmas and so you know if we're getting responses like that you know from the podcast which is you know primarily audio 
I would imagine that, you know, with your show for sure, that it's 3D, it's you, it's there, it's got the singing, you know, it just must be an awesome experience for Italian Americans because you're really probably just bringing them back to their childhood, basically. It's so funny you said that. And I totally agree with you, by the way. Like, even though you're like, oh, it's a podcast, like, you can see it. You can, once you hear it, you, you, you remember it and you see it like it's right there. And a woman, I think she must have been in her late 50s, she came up to me at the end of the show and she was like, listen, I'm old enough to be your mother, but she says, I have something to tell you. And I said, what? She says, the show and you are timeless. And I thought, well, that's really nice. And then I thought, well, what does that mean? You know, my insecurities came up timeless. And she went on to explain and she said, you are taking me back to a time that I was a kid. Then when I was in my 30s raising my eight-year-old, she says, and then you're taking me back to a time when my grandkids were newborns and I was a new grandmother. She goes, and now I'm the grandmother of a 14-year-old and I'm experiencing that. So she had all these different times that she was able to connect with the show. And I thought, okay, all right, that's something cool that I didn't think was going to happen. I'm just telling you the story and I'm having fun playing a six-year-old woman and I'm having fun playing my 32-year-old mom. Like that was just something that... (laughs) I took, I didn't think it was going to do that, but it, it has. And you're right, a throwback. I'm a little bit of a throwback show. And I didn't think it would be that, but I'm glad it is because so many people are actually wanting that and love to experience that. That's so cool. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah, you're taking them through the all the stages of their life, basically, as they watch your show, which is a really powerful experience for them, I'm sure. Awesome. It is. It's a blessing. I have to say, I'm, I'm very lucky. <laughs> the days that I don't think I'm lucky, I have to tell myself I'm lucky that, you know, we all get to do something and, you know, just like you guys are doing, to give back is the best feeling in the world. So if you can, you know, move the needle for someone in the day and make them feel good, then you, you feel like you've done your part to the universe. And that's truly how I feel. I'm like, okay, this, I'm doing my part, whatever little I can do. <laughs> That's awesome. That's so you awesome. grew up um, in Staten Island, Candace, right? I did. Yeah. So I'm assuming your show has a does it have a Staten Island flair to it? You know what it does. Um, yes, it's not the flair you might see on like uh, an MTV thing. It's not that sort of flair. Right. Right. <laughs> well, I not, wanted to explore that with that. you. Yeah. So for our, we have a lot of listeners who live in you know California, Colorado, etc., and um, uh, you know, we know the East Coast has a very large population of Italian Americans. Staten Island, uh, New York, being a very, very large population of Italian Americans, even still. Can you tell our listeners just a little bit about Staten Island's kind of uh, ethnic character when it comes to being Italian American? Sure. Yeah, everyone has, of course, their version of Staten Island. Whether they grew up there or visited there, they have their idea of what Staten Island is. And the big reason I love telling this story is because Staten Island for me was an awesome place to grow up. Um, Every one of our front doors were wide open, all of our neighbors. So we'd all be in and out of each other's houses. I mean, I grew up with a family next door to us that literally we would hop the fence to get into their backyard and we would hang out in their backyard. And and it was sort of an open door policy on our street. I actually grew up (laughs) on Anthony Street. And the jokes that I say, and it's the truth. Yeah, I know. It's crazy. I grew up on Anthony Street in Staten Island, but everyone 
on Staten Island is, is either named Vinny, Anthony, or Joey. That's the honest to God truth. If, <laughs> I don't think there's any other names I went to school with besides those names. <laughs> so um, the fact that I grew up on Anthony Street, we don't say Anthony Street, we say Anthony Street. So it's sort of that little play on words mm-hmm. that I love to explore because the audience yells it back to me before I even get the Anthony out, <laughs> uh, which I find very funny. Um, but Staten Island was a very tight knit community for me. I made some great friendships. It is eccentric for sure. Uh, I think the first college, when I went to college, I dated a guy who was not from Staten Island and I brought him home to meet my family. And I will never forget this moment. We pulled up to the house and when he, we got out of the car, we walk up to the driveway. He was like, we got to go. Your parents are yelling. And I was like, what are you talking about? Our windows were open in the house and the front door, when my mom knew I was coming home and the front door was open and they were just talking. But to him, he thought there was a fight happening in our house. And he was like, we got to go. He got back <laughs> in the car and he drove away. We never dated. It was over. That I was like, funny. this guy would have lasted five seconds. Right. Like it's yeah. just feel loud. And you know, my grandmother was oh God, she was the type of woman that like carried a metal bat around because she didn't want you to screw with her. I mean, like no one did, but it was, this was just her. So for me, I would say Staten Island was a very eccentric place to grow up, but in a very positive way. It was, you know, there were rules in our household. There was rules in my school. Like I had a, a great experience growing up there. Um, it wasn't like a free for all, which makes me giggle today when some people are like, we have, uh, we let the kids decide. This always makes me laugh. We let the children decide what they want for dinner and we give children more options, which sounds lovely. But how I grew up was like, you're eating whatever the hell's in front of you. <laughs> and that's the way it's going. Like you're not, you don't have a choice until you're 18. Like that's how I grew up. Um, so, so for me, and that was a lot of that. And I mean, all the families that grew up around me, they might've been mostly Italian. I mean, I had other friends besides Italians, but it is a big Italian community, but it was eccentric and it was a lovely place to grow up. So I know sometimes we hear some negative things with Staten Island, but to be quite honest, I didn't have that experience. Um, I also didn't have the big mob experience. That was not, I mean, we're a regular Italian American family who went through kind of all, I would say blue collar problems, you know, how to pay bills, how to keep a business running. My dad had an auto body shop. So it was, you know, to keep that running and, times when we, when times got hard, my mom had to figure out how to work, you know, the cash register at the auto body shop and grandma had to pick us up from school. And, you know, we all had to pitch in and that's the environment I grew up in. And that was mostly my Staten Island experience as well. So for me, it was, it was totally positive. Yes. We have very much, I would say different ways of saying words. Like we didn't grow up with people who say talk, they say talk. Like everyone, my mom puts W's and things where they don't belong. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> my wife's from Brooklyn. She does that too. And she does it more when she's drinking. <laughs> That's so, so funny you said that. My husband was like, when you're angry or if there's alcohol in you, it all comes out. I'm like, right. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, there's a lot of stereotypes with uh, Staten Island. Um, it's part of why I wanted you to just kind of discuss that. I know there's uh, that new show that you you kind of referenced in passing, uh, Made in Staten Island, I think it's called. Yeah. Um, I haven't seen it personally, but I know that a lot of people were, you know, upset. A lot of Italian Americans, of course, and a lot of people from Staten Island because it's, you know, follows like the descendants of what I don't know some of the mob sure. leaders, you know, and it gives sure. like and again I- the stigma of, you know, the mafia, et cetera. 
Absolutely. And I don't know, I can't speak for them. I don't know how they grew up. Everything might be true. Um, I just know that that's just maybe one little part of Staten Island. And it's a part that I did not experience. So for me, uh, telling my story was so, I would say it was so welcomed because so many people that are from Staten Island would see the show and be like, that's the Staten Island we all know, not this other stuff. And I'm like, okay, good. I'm not the only one. I was like, am I living in the Twilight Zone? I'm like, I didn't grow up like that. <laughs> so right. no, I'm it's glad just, I get to share it. Yeah, it's such a, it's a representation of such a minute part of the population. You know, we were like, why aren't you doing shows about your family? Like, that makes a lot more sense. A lot more people can identify with that, you know? Well, here's the hope. The hope is in in the future we can have. uh, I'm writing a television show, so hopefully in the future we could have this. That would be really nice. (laughs) Yes. So tell us about that. Unless you don't want to talk about it. I can't talk about it legally too much, but it's exciting to know that there is a story that hopefully can be told. The concept of uh, an Italian American family on Staten Island and and the positive of that and the real situations we go through, like the everyday stuff, the everyday situational problems that all of us struggle with, not just people living on Staten Island or not just people Italian-American. It's like the traditional family comedies that we all love, you know, like the Everybody Loves Raymond and the King of Queens. Like it wasn't about where they lived or yeah, they were Italian or yeah, they were from Brooklyn, but it's been, that wasn't the story. The story was, you know, the everyday problems. And for me, I don't watch... I haven't seen a TV show uh, about a little girl going through these issues. No offense, guys, but it's always a little boy. You know, you got, remember, uh, I didn't grow up on this show. It was before me, but you remember um, Kevin Arnold, uh, God, Wonder Years, Wonder right? Years. Yeah. It's the story of like, I mean, I watch reruns now because I'm like such a dork on reruns, but it's, for me, that's a great show, right? But it never really touched on female stuff. And you know, I, I say this all the time, but like we go through some crap. <laughs> it's a lot. <laughs> sure and do. I think people should learn about that. Um, and hopefully I get to do that in some point in the next couple of years. That'd be really exciting because it's a story I hope to get out there. Um, I think people would watch it because I know people like to watch it on stage. So I'm hoping they'll watch it on TV. <laughs> I'm sure. That's exciting. Keep us posted. Yeah, that is exciting. <laughs> oh, I will. So, my mom, don't worry. If anything happens, my mother hires a blimp. It's all over. <laughs> don't worry. <laughs> She'll we'll let know us know. It. Yeah. So, Candice, you've been doing the show, Italian Bread. It's doing well. You're touring with it. And by the way, for our listeners, you can go to italianbreadshow.com and check out the tours, the dates, the tickets. And you just mentioned you're working on this TV show. So what else are you working on or what else is going on for you that we can expect to hear from you about in the coming days? Mm-hmm. Yes. So like you said, I'm touring. I'm going to be all over. I can't even remember all the places, but soon I'm going to be in Boston and Ohio. It's really exciting. But besides that, I'm working on a movie right now that I can't talk about, but I'm excited to say that I think it's moving forward. I'm also, uh, I'm a writer as well. So I, I'm constantly writing new uh, pitches and TV shows that um, are going to be hopefully moving forward in the next year or so with the pitch and pilot seasons coming up. So that's really exciting. And I'm a performer. So if I'm not performing Italian bread, you could probably see me somewhere doing some stand-up comedy or some cabaret nights in New York. Cause that's 
super fun for me. Um, so yeah, I'm kind of everywhere and I try to, I try to be good at social media. I really am. So I'm trying to put stuff out there that when you can catch me, if I like have an off night and I'm not doing Italian bread somewhere, I will say, Oh, I'm going to be in New York at Flappers, uh, in LA or something like that. And I will, you know, give people a couple days or, um, at least some time heads up and they can come see me live to do other stuff. That's not a sign. But <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Again, it's Candice Gordino from Italian bread. That's B R E D Italian bread show.com. Click on the tickets tab there. You could check out her tour, which is going through New Jersey, PA, Massachusetts, Connecticut, Ohio, California, Virginia, Rhode Island. So she'll be all over the place. You can find her and you will laugh and you will be transported back through your Italian American experience from you know, whatever age you are, all the way up to now. So Candice, we want to just really thank you. We know how busy you are with everything you have going on. And we want to just thank you for spending some time here with us on the Italian American Podcast. Oh, any time. You guys are wonderful. All right. So I hope you enjoyed that interview with Candice Gordino. She certainly was lively um, and really guests like that. I think get everyone going, including our listeners. So we hope you really enjoyed it. And now what I'd like to do is really thank a new sponsor that we have on the Italian American podcast, the new film Dogman. Cinema Made in Italy and Magnolia Pictures present Dogman, the new film from Matteo Garone, the award-winning director of Gamora winner of the Best Actor Award at the 2018 Cannes Film Festival and the European Film Awards. Dogman tells a story of vengeance where only the strong will survive. Marcello is a slight, mild-mannered man who divides his days between working at his modest dog grooming salon and being coerced into the petty criminal schemes of the local bully, Simoncino an ex-boxer who terrorizes the neighborhood. When Simoncino's abuse finally brings Marcello to a breaking point, he decides to stand up for his own dignity through an act of vengeance with unintended consequences. An official selection of the Cannes, Telluride, and Toronto Film Festivals and the winner of nine Davi Di Donatello Awards, the Italian Oscars, including Best Picture, Director, Screenplay, and Actor. The Guardian calls Dogman a movie with an incomparable bite and strength, now playing in New York and Los Angeles, coming to additional selected cities April 26th. Visit dogmanthemovie.com to watch the trailer and order tickets. And just check out the video trailer online. It's it's pretty powerful. And uh, I think a lot of our listeners are going to like this movie. All right, now I'm going to kick it over to Dolores, and she's going to take us out of this one. All right, thanks everyone for joining us yet again for another episode. Uh, we hope you enjoyed the conversation. And as always, just a reminder that you can find us on social media. We are on Instagram, on Twitter, and on Facebook. And you can find us by searching Italian American Podcast. Arrivederci. Arrivederci.